Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Hello, and thank you for joining us for American Heritage Program. My name is Chris Mahalik. Today's stories are found online at HistoryNet.com. Why do we have Daylight Savings Time by Evan Andrews? Many think that Daylight Saving Time was conceived to give farmers an extra hour of sunlight to till their fields, but this is a common misconception. In fact, farmers have long been opposed to springing forward and falling back since it throws off their usual harvesting schedule. The real reasons for Daylight Saving Time are based around energy cons- conservation and desire to match daylight hours to the times when most people are awake. The idea dates back to 1895 when entomologist George Vernon Hudson unsuccessfully proposed an annual two-hour time shift to the Royal Society of New Zealand. Ten years later, the British construction magnate William Willette picked up where Hudson left off when he argued that the United Kingdom should adjust their clocks by 80 minutes each spring and fall to give people more time to enjoy daylight recreation. Willett was a tireless advocate of what he called summertime, but his idea never made it through Parliament. The first real experiments with daylight savings time began during World War I. On April 30, 1916, Germany and Austria implemented one-hour clock shift as a way of conserving electricity needed for the war effort. The United Kingdom and several other European nations adopted daylight savings shortly thereafter, and the United States followed suit in 1918, while Germany and Austria were the first countries to implement daylight savings. The first towns to implement a seasonal time shift were Port Arthur and Fort William in Canada in 1908. Most Americans only saw the time adjustment as a wartime act, and it was later repeated, repealed in 1919. Standard time ruled until 1942, when President Franklin D. Roosevelt reinstituted daylight savings during World War II. This time, more states continued using daylight savings after the conflict ended, but for decades there was little consistency with regard to its schedule. Finally, in 1966, Congress passed the Uniform Time Act, which standardized daylight savings across the country and established its start and end times in April and October, later changed to March and November in 2007. Today, daylight saving time is used in dozens of countries across the globe, but remains a controversial practice. Most studies show that its energy savings are only negligible, and some have even found that costs are higher since people in hot climates are more apt to use the air conditioners in the daytime. Meanwhile, Hawaii and Arizona have opted out of daylight savings altogether and remain on standard time year-round. In March of 2023, Senator Marco Rubio of Florida reintroduced a bill to make daylight savings time permanently across the country, arguing an end to the antiquated practice of changing clocks twice a year. The original bill called the Sunshine Protection Act passed the Senate in 2022, but it stalled in the House 
and expired at the end of the last 2022 session of Congress. History of St. Patrick's Day from History.com editors, updated February 22nd, 2023, original October 27, 2009. St. Patrick's Day is celebrated annually on March 17th, the anniversary of his death in the 5th century. St. Patrick's Day 2023 will take place on Friday, March 17th. The Irish have observed this day as a religious holiday for over a thousand years. On St. Patrick's Day, which falls during the Christian season of Lent, Irish families would traditionally attend church in the morning and celebrate in the afternoon. Lenten prohibitions against the consumption of meat were waived, and people would dance, drink, and feast on the traditional meal of the Irish bake of Irish bacon and cabbage. Who was St. Patrick? St. Patrick, who lived during the 5th century, is the patron saint of Ireland and its national apostle. Born in Roman Britain, he was kidnapped and brought to Ireland as a slave at 16. He later escaped, but returned to Ireland and was credited with bringing Christianity to its people. In the centuries following St. Patrick's death, believed to have been on March 17, 461, the mythology surrounding his life be became ever more ingrained in the Irish culture. Perhaps the most well-known legend of St. Patrick is that he explained the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, using the three letters of a native Irish clover, the shamrock. When was the first St. Patrick's Day celebrated? Since around the 9th or 10th century, People in Ireland have been observing the Roman Catholic feast day of St. Patrick on March 17th. The first St. Patrick's Day parade took place not in Ireland but in America. Records show that a St. Patrick's Day parade was held on March 17th, 1601 in a Spanish colony in what is now St. Augustine, Florida. The parade and a St. Patrick's Day celebration a year earlier were organized by the Spanish colony's Irish vicar, Ricardo Artur. More than a century later, homesick Irish soldiers serving in the English military marched in the New York City in New York City on March 17, 1772 to honor the Irish patron saint. Enthusiasm for the St. Patrick's Day parades in New York City, Boston, and other early American cities only grew from there. Growth of St. Patrick's Day celebrations over the, the next 35 years, Irish patriotism among American immigrants flourished, prompting the rise of so-called Irish aid societies like the Friendly Sons of St. Patrick's and the Hibernian Society. Each group would hold annual parades featuring bagpipes, which actually first became popular in the Scottish and British armies, and drums. In 1848, several New York Irish Aid Societies decided to unite their parades to form one official New York City St. Patrick's Day Parade. Today, that parade is the world's oldest civilian parade and the largest in the United States with over 150,000 participants. Each year, nearly 3 million people lined the one-and-a-half-mile parade routes to watch the procession, which takes more than five hours Boston, Chicago, Philadelphia, and Savannah 
also celebrate the day with parades involving between 10,000 and 20,000 participants each. In 2020, the New York City Parade was one of the first major city events to be canceled as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. It was again canceled in 2021. The parade in New York and others around the country returned in 2022. The Irish in America. Up until the mid-19th century, most Irish immigrants in America were members of the Protestant middle class. When the Great Potato Famine hit Ireland in 1845, close to one million poor and uneducated Irish Catholics began pouring into America to escape starvation. Despised for their alien religious beliefs and unfamiliar accents by the American Protestant majority, the immigrants had trouble finding even menial jobs. When Irish Americans in the country's cities took to the streets on St. Patrick's Day to celebrate their heritage, newspapers portrayed them in cartoons as drunk, violent monkeys. The American Irish soon began to realize, however, that their large and growing numbers endowed them with a political power that had yet to be exploited. They started to organize and their voting bloc, known as the Green Machine, became an important swing vote for political hopefuls. Suddenly, annual St. Patrick's Day parades became a show of strength for Irish Americans, as well as a must-attend event for a slew of political candidates. In 1948, President Harry S. Truman attended New York City's St. Patrick's Day parade a proud moment for the many Irish Americans whose ancestors had to fight stereotypes and racial prejudice to find acceptance in the new world. The Chicago River dyed green. As Irish immigrants spread out over the United States, other cities developed their own traditions. One of these is Chicago's annual dyeing of the Chicago River green. The practice started in 1962 when city pollution control workers used dyes to trace illegal sewage discharges and realized that the green dye might provide a unique way to celebrate the holiday. That year, they released 100 pounds of green vegetable dye into the river enough to keep it green for a week. Today, in order to minimize the environmental damage, only 40 pounds of dye are used and the river turns green for only several hours. Although Chicago historians claim their city's idea for a river of green was original, some natives of Savannah, Georgia, whose St. Patrick's Day Parade, the oldest in the nation, dates back to 1813, believe the idea originated in their town. They point out that in 1961, a hotel restaurant manager named Tom Woolley convinced city officials to dye Savannah's River Green. The experiment didn't exactly work as planned, and the water only took a slight greenish hue. Savannah never attempted to dye its river again, but Woolley maintains, though others refute the claim, that he personally suggested the idea to Chicago's mayor, Richard J. Daly. St. Patrick's Day celebrations around the world Today, people of all backgrounds celebrate St. Patrick's Day, especially throughout the United States, Canada, and Australia. 
Although North America is home to the largest productions, St. Patrick's Day is celebrated around the world in locations far from Ireland, including Japan, Singapore, and Russia. Popular St. Patrick's Day recipes include Irish soda bread, corned beef and cabbage, and champ. In the United States, people often wear green on St. Patrick's Day. In Ireland, St. Patrick's Day has traditionally been a spiritual and religious occasion. In fact, up until the 1970s, Irish laws mandated the pubs be closed on March 17th. Beginning in 1995, however, the Irish government began a national campaign to use interest in St. Patrick's Day to drive tourism and showcase Ireland and Irish culture to the rest of the world. What do leprechauns have to do with St. Patrick's Day? One icon of the Irish holiday is the leprechaun. The original Irish name for these figures of folklore is Lobirsen, meaning small-bodied fellow. Belief in leprechauns probably stems from Celtic beliefs in fairies, tiny men and women who could use their magical powers to serve good or evil. In Celtic folk tales, leprechauns were cranky souls responsible for menacing, for mending the shoes of the other fairies. Though only minor figures in Celtic folklore, leprechauns were known for their trickery, which they often used to protect their much-fabled treasure. Leprechauns have their own holiday in May th on May 13th, but are also celebrated on St. Patrick's, with many dressing up as the wiry fairies. March is also Women's History Month. Women's History Month is a celebration of women's contributions to history, culture, and society, and has been observed annually in the month of March in the United States since 1987. Women's History Month 2023 will, ha will take place from Wednesday, March 1st through Friday, March 31st, 2023. Why do we celebrate Women's History Month? Women's History Month is a dedicated month to reflect on the often overlooked contributions of women to United States history, from Abigail Adams to Susan B. Anthony, Sojourner Truth to Rosa Parks. The timeline of Women's History milestones stretches back to the founding of the United States. The actual celebration of Women's History Month grew out of a week-long celebration of women's contributions to culture, history, and society organized by the School District of Sonoma, California in 1978. Presentations were given at dozens of schools. Hundreds of students participated in a Real Woman Assay contest, and a parade was held in downtown Santa Rosa. A few years later, the idea caught on within communities, school districts, and organizations across the country. In 1980, President Jimmy Carter issued the first presidential proclamation, declaring the week of March 8th as National Women's History Week. The U.S. Congress followed suit the next year, passing a resolution establishing a national celebration. Six years later, the National Women's History Project successfully petitioned Congress to expand the event to the entire month of March. International Women's Day International Women's Day, a global celebration of the economic, political, and social achievements of women, took place for the first time on March 8, 1911. 
Many countries around the world celebrate the holiday with demonstrations, educational initiatives, and customs such as presenting women with gifts and flowers. The United Nations has sponsored International Women's Day since 1975. When adopting its resolution on the observance of International Women's Day, the United Nations General Assembly cited the following reasons. To recognize the fact that securing peace and social progress and the full employment of full enjoyment of human rights and fundamental freedoms require the active participation, equality, and development of women, and to acknowledge the contribution of women to the strengthening of international peace and security. Irish Potato Famine the Irish Potato Famine, also known as the Great Hunger, began in 1845 when a mold known as Phytophthora infestans caused a destructive plant disease that spread rapidly throughout Ireland. The infestation ruined up to one half of the potato crop that year and about three quarters of the crop over the next seven years because the tenant farmers of Ireland, then ruled as a colony of Great Britain, relied heavily on the potato as a source of food, the infestation had a catastrophic impact on Ireland and its population. Before it ended in 1852, the potato famine resulted in a death of roughly one million Irish from starvation and related causes, with at least another million forced to leave their homeland as refugees. With the ratification of the Act of the Union of Great Britain and Ireland in 1801, Ireland was effectively governed as a colony of Great Britain until the Irish War of Independence ended in 1921. Together, the combined nations were known as the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland. As such, the British government appointed Ireland's executive heads of state known respectively as the Lord Lieutenant and the Chief Secretary of Ireland, although residents of the Emerald Isle could elect representation to the British Parliament in London. In all, Ireland sent 105 representatives to the House of Commons, the lower House of Parliament, and 28 peers, titled landowners, to the House of Lords, or the Upper House. Still, it's important to note that the bulk of these elected representatives were landowners of British origin and or their sons. In addition, any Irish who practiced Catholicism, the majority of Ireland's native population, were initially prohibited from owning or leasing land, voting, or holding elected office under the so-called penal laws. Although the penal laws were largely repealed in 1829, their impact on Ireland's society and governance was still being felt at the time of the potato famine's onset. English and Anglo-Irish families owned most of the land, and most Irish Catholics were relegated to work as tenant farmers forced to pay rent to the landowners. Ironically, less than 100 years before the famine's onset, the potato was introduced to Ireland by the landed gentry. However, despite the fact only one variety of the potato was grown in the country, the so-called Irish lumper, it soon became a staple food of the poor, particularly during the cold winter months. Great hunger begins when the crops began to fail in 1845 as a result of pea investments infection. Irish leaders in Dublin petitioned Queen Victoria and Parliament to act, and initially they did 
repealing the so-called corn laws and their tariffs on grain, which made foods such as corn and bread prohibitively expensive. Still, these changes failed to offset, to offset the growing problem of the potato blight, with many tenant farmers unable to produce sufficient food for their own consumption and the cost of other supplies rising, thousands died from starvation and hundreds of thousands more from disease caused by malnutrition. Complicating matters further, historians have since concluded that Ireland continued to export large quantities of food, primarily to Great Britain during the blight. In cases such as livestock and butter, Research suggests that exports from Ireland may have actually increased during the potato famine. In 1847 alone, records indicate that commodities such as peas, beans, rabbits, fish, and honey continued to be exported from Ireland even as the great hunger ravaged the countryside. The potato crops didn't fully recover until 1852. By then, the damage was done. Although the estimates vary, it is believed as many as a million Irish men, women, and children perished during the famine, and another one to two million emigrated from Ireland to escape poverty and starvation, with many landing in various cities throughout North America and Great Britain. Legacy of the Potato Famine With the population significantly reduced by two to three million and increased food imports after 1850, the Irish potato famine eventually ended around 1952, but for those who remained behind in the decimated Ireland, a renewed appreciation was ignited for Irish independence from, Britain, from British rule. The exact role of the British government in the potato famine and its aftermath, whether it ignored the plight of Irish poor out of malice or if their collective inaction and inadequate response could be attributed to incompetence is still being debated. However, the significance of the potato famine in the Irish language, An Gortamor, or The Great Hunger, in Irish history and its contribution to the Irish diaspora of the 19th and 20th centuries is still beyond doubt. Tony Blair, during his time as British Prime Minister, issued a statement in 1997 offering a formal apology to Ireland for the UK government's handling of the crisis at the time. Irish Hunger Memorials in recent years, cities to which the Irish ultimately emigrated during and in the decades after the event have offered various com commemorations to the lives lost. Boston, New York City, Philadelphia, and Phoenix in the United States, and Montreal and Toronto in Canada have erected Irish hunger memorials, as have various cities in Ireland, Australia, and Great Britain. In addition, Glasgow Celtic FC, a soccer team based in Scotland that was founded by Irish immigrants, many of whom were brought to the country as a result of the effects of the potato famine, has included a commemorative patch on its uniform, most recently on September 30, 2017, to honor the victims of the Great Hunger. A Great Hunger Museum was established at Quinnipiac University in Hamden, Connecticut, as a result of those seeking information on the potato famine and its impact, as well as for researchers hoping to explore the event and its aftermath. And we'll finish with this date in history. On March 11, 2011, the largest earthquake ever recorded in Japan causes massive devastation 
and the ensuing tsunami decimates the Tohoku region of northeast Honshu on top of the already horrific destruction and loss of life. The natural disaster also gives rise to a nuclear disaster at the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant. The Fukushima disaster is considered the second worst nuclear disaster in history, forcing the relocation of over 100,000 people. During the emergency, each of the three operational nuclear reactors at the Fukushima plant shut down successfully, but the backup power and cooling system failed. As a result, residual heat caused fuel rods and all three reactors to partially melt down. As crews searched the rubble for survivors and the nation reeled from the earthquake and the suing tsunami, the nuclear disaster unfolded over the course of several days. Thank you for joining us. My name is Chris Mahalik. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.